Welcome to the podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel, BioSoul Integration. There, my goal is to help you integrate body and soul, to help you feel completely, express fully, and live authentically. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Eaker. Let's get into it. Hi there. Uh, today, I want to talk about psychedelics and the potential that psychedelics have to speed up our spiritual growth uh, or deepen our spiritual growth versus is sort of doing it the old-fashioned way, you know, uh, things that are kind of about strengthening our attention muscles that have sort of been traditionally used like meditation and yoga, consciousness awakening techniques uh, like that. Um, also, you know, modalities, <clears throat> healing modalities of various sorts, I think, fall into uh, a certain category as well that help us embody our spiritual growth, that help us embody spiritual wisdom. And that embody word is very important. And I want to talk about the extent to which psychedelics may or may not help us embody spiritual wisdom. Uh, I'm Jay Eaker from the BioSoul Integration Center here in Louisville, Colorado, and I help soul-led people to embody, there's that word again, embody their soul's gifts and their soul's essence so they can share those gifts with through, so they can ground those gifts out into these physical bodies and share them through these physical bodies into this physical world and share them with the people in the world who need those need those gifts and we all we need your gifts we need what you got so it's very important that you embody your soul's essence and your soul's gifts that's what i help people do here at the bio soul integration center if you could please uh give me a like uh please subscribe to my youtube channel here and any anywhere else that you might see this uh, video you might see it on uh, facebook or on instagram or uh, one of the other social uh, platforms, social media platforms. I also have a podcast, BioSoul Integration Podcast, and you can get this on that podcast too. So wherever you see this or hear it, uh, please, you know, give me a thumbs up, do the social thing, subscribe, give me a thumbs up and share it with people who might be, you think might need this or who might be interested. I appreciate that very much ahead of time. Thank you very much. So, um, <clears throat> a little disclaimer to start off with is that, you know, I only have a certain amount of experience with psychedelics. I don't have that much experience, to be honest, compared, I'm sure, to some people who have sort of made, you know, who have made spiritual seeking via the psychedelic uh, vehicle, who have made that their, you know, their their path or, or more, more so their path. I don't have that kind of experience with psychedelics, but I do have some, I do have some. On the other hand, I do have a lot of experience, I would say with the other end of things, the sort of more old fashioned, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe organic methods of amplifying awareness and consciousness, which is, you know, things like yoga and meditation and, uh, again, healing modalities that are geared towards that, that towards helping people wake up. Uh, you know, I, for the last 
25 years or so, I suppose, I have had at least weekly care with a network chiropractic practitioner, uh, network spinal analysis, network care, network chiropractic is a technique that is um, designed, you know, it's, its goal is to, um, in short, help people wake up, help you embody, embody yourself and embody your gifts um, and, and give those gifts so that, you know, I've had weekly care for the last 25 years. Um, I've been to sort of premier programs that are associated with that work where the founder of that work, Donald Epstein is working on you himself. And, you know, he's a, a genius of sorts in the healing world and have seen, you know, massive growth in my body and my life, you know, as far as awareness goes as a result of those things that, you know, kind of an awakening, I share that story <clears throat> around in my videos and stuff, but certainly an awakening of sorts is what drew me to really turn me on to network chiropractic in the first place and, uh, has sort of, again, led me down the path that I'm on now. And, uh, and, or, you know, psychotherapy have definitely done a fair amount of psychotherapy and different psychotherapy, somatic psychotherapy, EMDR, um, different, uh, brain spotting, different techniques like that, that are, that are designed to help, um, you know, dislodge the, uh, habitual survival patterns that are stored in the brain. And, you know, not so much anymore after having a, since I have a six-year-old daughter, having a, a kid kind of slowed me down uh, in some in some levels and sped me up on others as far as uh, awakening goes. But for sure, having a kid is a, a relate relationship and having kids is a crucible for growth, I've discovered. So maybe I haven't slowed down so much, but used to do a lot of yoga and, um, and, you know, probably for the last 12, 10 or 12 years, uh, pretty, um, involved in mindfulness meditation. I discovered mindfulness meditation about 10, 12 years ago and, uh, you know, really dove into that pretty heavily and ex had some amazing experiences, uh, of, waking up of greater awareness, um, as a, as a result of that through a teacher that, uh, a teacher named Shinzen Young, who created a, you know, I said, took the centuries of, you know, the science of enlightenment and sort of boiled it down. And there is a science of enlightenment, a, a sort of a path to go down. And he sort of boiled that down. So, um, and what I feel like I learned, especially through the mindfulness meditation, is that, you know, I became more aware of the, the themes that show up along the path to healing. And there are some themes that are just sort of intrinsic, you know, running in the background of that process, the, the nature of nature, if you will. And so um, the nature of nature, the nature of the healing you know, world, spiritual healing 
is that there's this sort of constant um, expansion and contraction. It's happening in the universe. It's happening to in the solar system. It's happening to the planets. It's happening to this planet. It's happening in our bodies. We are embedded in the fabric of life, and life is sort of expanding and contracting and con- consequently asking us to sort of expand our awareness all the time to notice more and pay attention to more and include more in our awareness. But then, uh, once we've sort of included stuff from that vantage point, there are things, parts of ourselves that we've not wanted to look at that we've kept in the shadows, our shadow material. Uh, and it sort of life asks us then to sort of take a closer look at those things to sort of uh, you know, take a closer look and clarify and differentiate things that, um, parts of ourselves that we were maybe not so apt to look at that we learned early on, um, to, uh, you know, not look at, to disconnect from sort of in a habitual conditioned, habitual way. And so life kind of will make us look at those things as Shinzen Young says, it's kind of a constant process of, uh, magnifying and resolving. It's like the thing that you do on your, on your phone, you know, when you spread your fingers, you sort of take a picture and you can magnify it and look closer and magnify it and look closer and magnify and look closer and see more clearly. And so the awakening process, the healing process is a constant, constant process of doing that and a, and a way in which life is sort of asking us to do that and sort of nudging us um, you know, nudging us to do that. And, you know, our spiritual maturity is a function of our capacity to be aware of that fact, this expansion contraction fact that uh, be aware of the nature of nature to ride, to be able to ride both of those waves to be able to expand when expansion is being asked for and to be able to look more closely and contract when contraction is being called for. Um, yeah, our spiritual maturity uh, to, to be able to, you know, that kind of theme expand, extends into all different areas, whether you want to call it the light versus the dark to be able to expand into the light, but also to tolerate and go into the darkness um, and, uh, you know, a function of being able to sort of like, again, that allows us to be able to download spiritual information, but then also sort of give it a, a place to land in a container where it can be, you know, expressed through our bodies, through our physical beings and bodies onto this physical plane. And our spiritual maturity is kind of a function of being able to do, to ride those, ride those waves of expansion and contraction. And when that is the case, uh, it kind of results in embodiment. And again, embodiment is key here. Um, embodiment, uh, you know, it gives us the capacity to sort of feel and know the spiritual wisdom that we encounter, feel and know that in our bodies and beings. And as a result of that, we're going to become aware of like what really lights us up. What are our gifts? Um, what are we really drawn to and what lights us up? And we'll be compelled then eventually to sort of share those gifts. Um, and that's kind of the, the, uh, 
what embodiment will kind of mean. And again, life wants us to do that. It wants us to share our gifts. It wants us to embody things often, uh, pain, the tension in our bodies, the symptoms that we encounter, uh, along our journey, I find are not so much about the fact that there's something wrong it is that on some level, it's our body as our life and our body sort of conspiring to bring stuff to the surface, to get us to stop and pay attention. Cause often people are sort of having, uh, you know, have, uh, a predilection predilection for expansion and all the things, you know, the, the coolness of expansion, but are not so apt to like, uh, contraction as much. They're kind of having aversion to sort of going and paying close attention and connecting with the shadow, our shadow material, because that can be gritty at times. Um, but again, our, uh, uh, embodiment, you know, is our capacity to sort of ride both of those, both of those waves <clears throat> and embodiment. It's gonna, it's gonna require a certain thing in order for us to be able to rest in our bodies and feel in our bodies. It, it, it requires this deep, deep rest because there is a, a certain level of vigilance that sort of gets baked into our systems when we're in the womb. When we're in the womb, our, what I call sort of our primal brain starts to develop the back brain, the heart, the gut, um, starts to develop. And that part of our nervous system is just feeling into our environment. And when we feel into our parents and the people around us and the culture, the human culture, we feel that we we catch on to the fact that everyone is kind of like, you know, bracing against their human vulnerability and trying not to feel that and trying not to rest in their bodies and in some way. And it's very, uh, you know, adult humans have a, uh, monopoly on thinking intelligence. And so most adult humans and the adult, the human, uh, you know, human population is, um, in their heads, they're thinking in their heads. They're sort of addicted to the sort of mental, um, mental field. And that kind of, that kind of, uh, uh, it seasons the field in a certain way. And we pick up on that and we're sort of drawn into that. We're drawn to be in our heads all the time when there's a whole level of intelligence that we're missing out on by letting our attention rest in our bodies. And so really being able to embody, uh, you know, embody spiritual wisdom really requires that, that, that sort of habitual vigilance and, um, you know, friction that's running in the background. It's like, I don't want to totally rest in my body. I don't want to look at the parts of myself that I've learned are not safe to look at for whatever reason. I don't even know why they're not safe to look at. I just know that that's what we do. We don't rest in our bodies. We're trying to get out of, out of our bodies constantly, um, spend more time in our heads and not really let our attention and our awareness really rest in these bodies. And so it's, it's necessary, uh, if, if we're going to embody spiritual wisdom to that, that vigilance that's running in our nervous systems and that very sensitive primal nervous system that that, uh, drops 
drops away. Um, and as far as psychedelics go <clears throat> and other sort of techniques or other ways of being, I just think this, my experience, this sort of really, uh, you know, being able to connect with that really sensitive primal survival nervous system and let that part of the nervous system know that there is safety. Uh, that is a underserved, under understood, um, thing, uh, even amongst, you know, the heat in the, in the healing world. It's an underappreciated, under understood, misunderstood, um, thing, but a necessary thing. And uh, I think, um, as far as psychedelics go, we don't always, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to, uh, that softening. Um, and when that is not there, when that sort of peace, love sort of, uh, you know, um, awareness of this sort of subtle survival nervous system, the vigilance, the habitual vigilance is there when that, when that there and that softening is not there, when that vigilance is not sort of dropped out of, uh, our systems, people might have a peak experience, whether through psychedelics or whether through some other anything, you know, through some other um, healing modality or something might have peak experiences, but where, you know, where they might have some hugely expansive experience, but their overall level of awareness can't really support that. So they have this peak experience and, um, you know, again, they're, they can't really sustain that or support that in their, in their everyday lives. Um, uh, and if they can't really sustain that, well, if, you know, for instance, I had a, uh, someone call me a while ago and he had done this, you know, he was kind of like a regular, I think a regular guy, maybe he'd done some healing work, you know, had some awareness of different things. And he had done this, uh, he'd gone to Peru and hooked up with a shaman there. And in the, you know, in the jungle, they took ayahuasca and he had had some, you know, he went through the, the initial stages of that, which is often some discomfort, you know, emotional discomfort, retching, um, and then eventually he did have this like super, 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 super expansive, uh, experience where he saw and experienced the nature of nature, you know, and felt it experienced sort of the light behind everything and the light, you know, behind himself that he usually was not aware of this really amazing, um, spiritual experience, you know, expansive experience, but he came back and, you know, by the time he came back, you know, he was really, he really wanted to grasp onto that experience and stay with that experience. He thought, you know, he had arrived and that it would never go away and it kind of went away and he started to get frustrated and angry and feel depressed and, um, etc. And, you know, I tried to tell him, I pointed out to him that the way that he got to that place was by really going towards the shadow stuff, really t going towards the gritty underbelly experiencing that, having a direct experience of that. And after doing that, then he sort of expanded and, you know, so he really didn't have this sort of awareness that there's that reality just 
is about expansion and contraction and that you have to be able to surf, be able to surf both poles, both polarities, you know? Um, and consequently he was sort of like grabbing onto the, oh, you know, longing for the, the, uh, more expansive stage when life was kind of like, uh, you know, from that expanded place, it, it sort of illuminates the parts of ourselves that are not lit up yet. The parts of ourselves that are not, um, there yet, you know, and then we have to, and then life naturally then draws us into a closer relationship with our shadow so that we have to look more closely at those things and feel more intensely our shadow stuff. And so life then draws us back into that. And, you know, he was not really so apt to go there and didn't understand really what, you know, what the map sort of looked like and it was causing him a lot of suffering. And I'll, you know, I'll wager, haven't heard from him for a while, but I'll wager that he's, there's a good chance that his life is sort of like falling apart, you know, on some, in some painful way, um, right now. But, um, so if you can't, you know, if the awareness, if you don't have a sort of baseline level of awareness, you can't really sustain that spiritual information that you've come into contact with. And it, it doesn't really get embodied. If that vigilance doesn't, isn't able to sort of drop out of your system, then it doesn't get embodied and you don't end up, you know, feeling compelled to sort of like share that with the planet and life, life will sort of demand that of you. Um, the other thing that I notice is that when people have experiences like that, it can take years to sort of integrate an experience like that. I mean, years down the road, people might be experiencing, you know, uncomfortable stuff in their life and not really recognize that it's, it's because of that experience they had say seven years ago, that amazing experience that life is still kind of like working on them. It increases the pressure that life, um, actually increases the pressure that life will apply towards making us look at our shadow. And so it may take years to sort of, uh, integrate that. And then, you know, if there's this sort of imbalance between, uh, connecting with, you know, our spiritual self and sort of being able to connect with our more corporal self or physical self with these physical bodies, if it's not embodied, there's this imbalance there. And, um, that, you know, there's this, all this spiritual wisdom sort of waiting in the wings. It's trying to not, you know, it's kind of like knocking and can't get in, into our awareness. And that can manifest as, uh, you know, issues of various sorts, whether it's back pain or organ systems that aren't working like they're supposed to, or whether it's emotional issues, anxiety, depression, anger, um, illnesses, you know, strange illnesses of various sorts. <clears throat> Again, people don't realize that, oh, I did all of this crazy, you know, shamanic work or whatever, or work with psychedelics way back when, and now I'm kind of having this, uh, having these problems because there's this imbalance, this imbalance, or there's all this backlog of shadow work that needs to be done. And life is like calling us towards that shadow work. And it hurts because life wants us to look at it. Our bodies and our lives are conspiring to make us look at it. So, um, my, you know, again, my, uh, ideas about these things are really based on my own experience. Again, like I said, uh, I, you know, over the years I did a lot of meditation on a daily basis, long hours, meditating, lots of momentum built up there. I went to these, 
uh, a number of 10-day silent meditation retreats. And at these retreats especially, but also just in daily life, just in my own meditation practice, I experienced some really profound things, really close up, you know, direct experience of, again, the nature of nature, of the nature of consciousness. And when you come in contact with those things, if I were to describe those things, there are experiences that, you know, are similar, can be similar to what people experience, you know, what experience, experiences people talk about in relationship to psychedelics, uh, you know, crazy sort of far out, you know, visuals and experiences uh, of consciousness and of all sorts. And I experienced things like that for sure. And, um, and the, the difference that I noticed, and I was surprised actually having had some experience with psychedelics prior to these experiences with meditation was that I always felt so sober. Uh, it was like, um, you know, it was like these crazy mystical, uh, realizations but it always had the feeling of like, oh yeah, of course, this is, this is not the altered, you know, uh, I'm not in an altered state now. This is the true state. The other state that I'm in is altered. Um, and I always had this sense of like, of course, and I felt so sober, you know, not under the influence of anything so sober and so clear, so amazingly sober and clear. And, um, uh, you know, just again, felt like, of course, this is right in front of me all the time, but I just can't, I can't see it. Uh, it just felt like all of the parts of me, my physiology, my mental field, my emotions, my physical body, my spirit were all sort of naturally lined up. And there was this like super clear <clears throat> bridge between all of the different, um, between all of the different parts of me. On the other hand, my experiences limited though they may be compared to some people, uh, always felt very under the influence of not sober, you know, not sober at all. Definitely under the influence, definitely had a feeling of being altered. I mean, there's no, uh, altered states like when you're on a psychedelic, um, this, I found that those substances often came with a being, you know, when I was meditating, it was me and God, you know, that those are the presences that I was aware of. Um, with psychedelics, there's all sorts of other things going on. Often there are these beings that sort of come along with the psychedelics, whether it's mushrooms, sometimes, uh, some sort of like lizards or bugs, different, you know, bug lizard beings, ayahuasca, uh, you know, they always talk about the, what do they talk about? The, the, the snake that often comes up in my uh, ayahuasca experiences, the snake, a snake has come up. Um, but there's always these, anyway, there's these beings, there's these entities that on some level are, you know, sort of merging, merging with you. And, um, uh, and the other thing is that it always felt like my physiology, whereas meditation was sort of like I was being aligned from the top down and my physiology and my physical body was lining up with that 
And when it was complete, it was just, you know, pure transmission. But with psychedelics, it's always like your physiology is being sort of manhandled and it just sort of like busts down the door of awareness, you know, until it kind of like cracks open some, some, uh, you know, window, find some door that it can sort of like bend and crack open so that there's some awareness, you know, that you can get to and have these and have sort of spiritual, um, insights. So, uh, and the aftermath was always, you know, it takes time to recover because it feels so harsh on your body. And in my experience, it doesn't really allow that deep, deep rest, doesn't allow the vigilance to sort of soften, you know, as opposed to sort of there being safety in the body and those doors just kind of like naturally disappear or are opened, you know, lubricated and opened naturally on their own in alignment. Like I said, it felt like door, rusty doors were being sort of like <laughs> busted open until, the, you know, some insight could sort of like rush in. Um, and so that sense of peace, of vigilance, you know, grace, that piece of that sense of grace, um, not really, uh, there in my experience, I find that like when I'm working with people who have done a lot of psychedelics that, um, they, who have went down that road that they, their awareness isn't there. Body awareness isn't generally there. They're not able to track subtle subtle cues in their body and where our spiritual maturity and our spiritual embodiment is concerned. That's, that's a problem. Um, and, uh, yeah, if we haven't sort of like exercised that attention muscle, um, and we're not able to, you know, it's because they haven't been training themselves to pay attention to subtle things. And that's what you have to do to embody that's what you have to do to uh, be able to allow this uh, vigilance to sort of drop out of uh, your primal nervous system. Um, you know, for that reason, if people are into that, you know, I hear recently, you know, it's become more and more popular that people are facilitated by a therapist or a professional, um, you know, with psychedelics. And that seems like I haven't done that. I'd be interested in doing that. I haven't done that, but that sounds like a, a good way to do it. Someone who could hold that, space for you. Um, or, you know, I would suggest if, you know, I think it would be very, very, very handy to have a certain level of certain foundation of mindfulness, a certain, to be able to navigate aware of and navigate the, the, the waves of expansion and contraction that naturally unfold in our experience, um, and have a sort of experience with sort of creating that ease in the nervous system and that, you know, have been able to allow sort of that safety to sort of, uh, leach into their, their, um, system. But I think using psychedelics without that foundation, without the spiritual maturity doesn't lead to embodiment and, um, you know, ultimately doesn't lead, not when say it doesn't lead at all, but definitely we reach maybe a point where it's like, all right, we can't, um, evolve, grow past this point without, being more gentle with ourselves without that vigilance dropping away. So, you know, keep that in mind. All things that are graceful, all things that are easeful, all things that bring that love and rest and understanding and okayness, uh, acceptance to the body. So just to recap, um, 
you know, I think there's this expansion contraction. That's a natural state of the healing of nature that we come across in the healing journey. And we have to be aware of that, uh, embodiment, our ability to sort of like ride that wave and meet it with mindfulness, um, and observe it and not get wrapped up in it. Uh, you know, leads to our embodiment, which leads to us sharing our gifts, which requires that this deep safety and rest happen in the body. And, uh, otherwise there's a sort of imbalance and that's the key, that deep rest. Um, so if you found this useful or interesting, please like it, please share it, please pass it along to people who might be interested. And, uh, thanks for watching. And I look forward to helping you express more life in the future. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the BioSoul Integration Podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my BioSoul Integration YouTube channel. You can also find me on the web at BioSoulIntegration.com. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to helping you express more life. Have a great day.